Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think this might, uh, Nina's running a little bit late. Um, I think this might be, this might be the group. Wait till Cody comes back. Did uh, everybody had a good week last week? Mm-hmm. Did you anything interesting, Joel? I don't recall. Can I recall at this juncture? <laughs> I you guess not. Nor deny. I guess not. <laughs> I guess I, I, not too interesting. Huh. Sometimes the end of eventful is nice. Not to have anything notable. It's simple. Yeah. Are we, uh, how are you guys finding the second half of Chesterton? The, the Christological <laughs> side. It's good. I've been listening to it rather than reading it, which I'm listening while I'm doing other stuff, so it's kind of just washing over me, and every now and again something will say pop out and they're not really absorbing it as deeply as and I could be, but it's a way to get it in me a little bit at least. I'm going to have to read it again mm-hmm. and again and again. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, there's so, so much. Yeah. As I've said every time, his, the well from which he's drawing is so incredibly deep that I'd love to just have a conversation with him just Um, I'm sure that it's his library was probably like Thomas Jefferson's library. I don't know if you guys know anything about Thomas Jefferson, but his library is actually the library that started the Library of Congress. He had 20,000 books and he had read all of them. He spoke, I don't know how many languages Jefferson spoke. He spoke, uh, I want to say nine, but I could be incorrect on that. And, uh, like, when we look back on the people of history, this is, I don't know what is going on, honestly. I was just thinking, (laughs) William Bradford came over in the Mayflower, and he brought his books with him. He he brought so many books, thousands of books he brought over. His, those books and the things he he put together actually wound up, starting Harvard, you know? And so you see this, you see these well, these, these educated guys back when they used, uh, you know, whale oil and, and candles and uh, basically you worked yourself until you, you died. These guys were so well, well learned and, and had great critical thinking skills. And you go, What's, what is our problem? We have so much information and we're, we're such lightweights. Um, Going backwards too. Yeah, going de- devolving. 
Well, interesting because Elon. I heard Elon Musk say that technology doesn't doesn't always progress. Actually, that he said, unless you work really hard at technology, it degrades. Yeah, because it's got to a certain point where there's like no overhead anymore. We've kind of hit a limit, so you actually have to push harder. Like even like technology, yeah, semiconductors. So yeah, I would agree with that. We think we're going to hit something and just coast, even intellectually. You're like, oh, let's go coast. Um, William Lane Craig at the C.S. Lewis synopsis at uh, Westminster Abbey. Lewis became the closest thing that a Protestant can become to being a saint. He was inducted into Poets' Corner at Westminster Abbey. And William Lane Craig was a Christian apologist from Biola University and Houston Baptist University. He came out and said, somebody said something like, what do we have to learn from Lewis? He said, listen, Lewis should not be your aim. Lewis should be your base. We, should, we already have Lewis. We already have his stuff. We should master it so we can go further. It shouldn't be the thing that we aim at to go, I hope to master it one day. No, 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 you should master it. You should master Chesterton. You should master these guys so that you, so you can go further than them. Um, instead of going, oh, I don't know if I'll get there or not. Or we'll just break even. Or break, yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, play to break even. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm higher. The only person that that Craig said could, that could match, that went beyond Lewis was Alan Plantinga. Um, so, well, that was interesting. Plantinga's got some good stuff, if you guys have never read him. But, all right, so, second half of the book, welcome to Verum Fabula Fellowship, or Verum Fabula Fellowship, for those of you that actually speak Latin, I guess. And if you speak Latin, I probably mess that up too. No, no big deal. Um, I guess we, we should have created a name that we could actually pronounce correctly. If we would have been a little self-deprecating, we wouldn't have gone, shot so high, but you know what? We voted on the name. I wanted it to be the, the uh, uh, shoot, the, uh, the Reverians and Thelicundrans was my, that was my name. If you guys, if you know, you know. Yes. <laughs> The Lacundra well, is the silent planet from, from uh, the Lewis sci-fi trilogy. So the Lacundra was Earth. So we're the Lacundrans, the people who like Lewis. Bravarians, well, that was the name that, uh, that Tolkien had for his, his literary people that he hung around with, the Bravarians. And so Randy was a Tolkien guy, Bravarian. I was a Lewis guy, the Lacundra. But if you have to explain it that much, I guess that's probably why they didn't go for it. <laughs> I digress. This is, uh, what is this, the 10th or the 9th? 9th. 9th of May. Yes, it's flying by. Yeah, we so we're in the second half of the book in uh, God in the Cave. This is the Christological understanding. Um, you guys have any anything that jumped out at you? I know Mary said something may have jumped out at you. Um, what do you guys have that, that popped out? I have a few things that I can steer the conversation, but I'm in my head all day, so it'd be nice to hear somebody else's perspective. That first chapter, part two, you talked about Christ bringing a morality from another world that didn't fit his time or our time. And okay. I, I thought that was a really good way to put it. All right, let's, let's pull on that. What, so what morality, what, what kind of morality is, is, is being brought in? Well, he was, Jesterson said that 
sometimes critics will accuse Christ of just imitating his day or other mm -hmm. uh, religious teachers and uh, just a product of his time but Chester to disagree he said the things Jesus said didn't really make yeah. much sense to his contemporaries either yeah all right so what what, what do we think about that so the morality and teachings of Jesus um, if he was going to be a good Jew <clears throat> some of the things he said were, were heretical, bl blasphemous, right? And for the pagans as well. The pagans like this stuff. Love your enemy? <laughs> no, no, no. No, you go burn their village down if they offend you, you know. Um, and then the Old Testament's eye for an eye. Jesus like, no, 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 not an eye for an eye. This, this, it's, it's about turn the other cheek and stuff. Like, Wait, what is this? this is completely radical so what what is that why did that hit you what was that about the like what was that impactful I guess I have the same reaction that when I read Jesus sayings it's it's hard to uh, it, 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 it doesn't come across the way that regular self-help book woods. Mm. And it's like you said, radical. And so I'm glad Chesterton acknowledged that. Like, this is not easy. <laughs> it's not typical. Mm. It's not typical. Okay. Anybody else want to tag on to that? <laughs> it doesn't really make sense, the stuff Jesus said, unless there was a bigger eternal reality. My kingdom's not of this earth. Right. Destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. I'm not building an army as you think. I'm not the military leader. I, I'm going to conquer the world, but I'm not going to do it the way you think. You're doing it internally. Yeah. It's about personal motivation. It's about it's about the motives of the heart, not about the behavior, not about the because you can you can cheat the behaviors, you can cheat the commandments and the sacrifices, you can cheat that, but what you can't cheat, you can't cheat the motivations of the heart, the intentionality of it. Ooh, that's, how, about, how about membership doesn't mean anything? You know? If you know me and confess me, I'll confess you in front of the Father. It doesn't have to do with the building or the organization. It's, it's one mediator between man and God. This, this bridge is connection where it's up to you. Achan sinned, and people, a lot of people suffer for his sin. Now we're responsible for our own, our own sin, and then he takes that on himself. Lewis says it like this as well. He says, no one ever heard the voice of God and mistaked it for a man's. But you can hear the voice of man and mistake it for God's. But when you hear God's voice, there is no mistaking of that. Because like you said, Jonathan, it, it's, it's, it's not what, it's not what we what, what we would think is going to happen. He says the thing we're like, because Peter said all the time, or what was, it, what was it, the sons of Zebedee? He's like, yeah, can we call on fire from heaven and burn them up? And he's like, what are you talking about? Why, why do you want to burn it? He's like, well, that don't you want to get rid of your enemies? And he's like, no, don't you pray for your enemies? He's like, wait, what? It's not what you would expect. 
And Lewis also says that Christianity <clears throat> is just queer enough to be true. Like there's just, it's just off enough that knocks us off of our center to go, well, I, this is how I think humanity should be doing. This is the human thing to do. And Jesus is like, no, you need to do this. I'm like, wait, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. Wait um, on demand. Yeah. So that's, that's, a great, that's a great catch on, on that. Yeah, uh, going on with that, there's a couple lines um, about marriage. But Christ and his view of marriage does not in the least suggest the conditions of Palestine of the first century. Mm. He does not suggest anything at all except the sacramental view of marriage as developed long afterwards by the Catholic Church. And it was quite as difficult for people then as it is for people now. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and just to go along with debunking that he just arose out of his social mores and was yeah. just a good philosopher of his time, it says, Exactly how suitable um, they were to his time is perhaps suggested by the end of his story. Yeah. Yeah. What, one of the things we talk about in, in, in Christian apologetics is when people have an argument and they're coming against, or they, they're like, where do I start looking for truth? And you go, well, most major religions have an opinion about Jesus. So start there. Figure out who he is. Hey. That's for me. Oh, this is yours. <laughs> Sorry. This is for everyone else. <laughs> Mama's got to eat. Okay, right, I'll get that. All right. Thank you. She comes bearing <laughs> gifts. You guys, you guys had these Aussie bites? From, from uh, heaven, heavenly inspired Costco. Okay. The land of Canaan. Oh, ah, there we go. Okay. They're like these are healthier. Omega three bite snacks. Healthy snacks all over the I saw omega three on the side. That's right. Peanut butter. They're, they're the alpha and omega threes. <laughs> Good dad jokes. Yes, yeah, so where were we? Having an opinion about Jesus. Ah, yes, having an opinion uh, about Jesus. And so these major religions all, all mention Jesus, and so... If you want to know anything about religion, you need to study Jesus to find out who yeah. he is. And like, I know that uh, he, he shows up in, in some instances in Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and Christianity and Judaism. Jesus shows up. And so that's, that's important. The major religions are all mentioning this similar guy, this, this guy. We want to figure out who he is and what, what's he about. And then when Jonathan says, and then when you read about him, when you read the New Testament, you hear his words, you're like, what did they say? Uh, many times what they say, the, the, on the road to, uh, not the road, the road to Emmaus? Yes. Yeah. His words, didn't that burn? Didn't that our hearts burn within us when we heard his words? And then when they heard, when he spoke Isaiah 61, what did they say? Never a man spake like this. And you go, so the voice of a God can never be mistaken for a man's voice because when he says something, you're like, oh, that... 
when we talk about it, like Chesterton and, and Solzhenitsyn and Dostoevsky, when when they say when they say things, their words are weighted with experience and, and wisdom, and they're heavy. And sometimes when we read them, it takes a while because their their words are so heavy. Imagine imagine having infinite wisdom, and when you speak something, how heavy those words are. Never a man spoke like this. Um, yeah, he never says what you think. He's always coming at it at a different angle. He never says what you think. He never says what you expect him to say. Aslan never does the same, the same thing twice. Right? It's always the unexpected. And if you remember, Jesus came in a cave under the earth, under the, under the game within the game. He came under everything from the foundation. He came under the foundations of everything. And so, again, I was just talking to this, uh, my new friend Samuel in there. Uh, he actually brought up this thing about Chesterton. He's like, the thing about Chesterton is he doesn't footnote anything. He doesn't give you the references. And so if you don't know what he's talking about, you don't know what he's talking about, you're kind of lost. But the way he's pulling things together, the way he structures his arguments, I know people have said, oh, Chesterton's been debunked. I don't know how. I don't. His arguments are so sound and so condensed and tight. They're air, all of his arguments are airtight. Um, now you could blow his argument up, but I'm guessing in blowing his argument up, you blow your argument up the same. You probably blow your own argument up to, to get rid of his. It'd be mutually assured destruction at that point to, to do that. All right. I liked how. Um how you said that, <coughs> he said, as I should put it, of course, it is the gospel that is the riddle and the church that is the answer. But whatever be the answer, the gospel, as it stands, is almost a book of riddles. First, the man reading the gospel sayings would not find platitudes. Oof. It's interesting that it's like, it's not just, and then he goes and lists all, you know, these Greeks and, you know, famous philosophers and it's like <clears throat> you're not just going to find a book of a book of wise sayings you know and he has this great list that he goes on for like mm -hmm. a column you know you'll find you know you'll find a number of you know strange claims lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And startling pieces of advice, stunning rebukes, strangely beautiful stories, etc., etc., but not just a bunch of platitudes.
what well, he says along that, that or he's saying is that if if it was just a book of platitudes then you would have just followers following this, this <coughs> these, these these platitudes and, and uh, people wouldn't have left Euripides and and all these and Pythagoras, Pythagoras they wouldn't have left these guys the Stoics wouldn't have left like just the martyr he went through Epicureanism, he went through Stoicism, he went through all of these things, and he wanted the Christianity. If Christianity was just another philosophy, then you would have you would have zealots, you would have, have disciples of these philosophies, and they would be dead and dry, and it wouldn't be reproductive like it is. It wouldn't be transformative like it is. But when you read it, the words are transformative. Not just a psychological or a philosophical changing but it's literally you become a new creature you, you have new ways to think like there's something that happens scripture says that we receive the holy spirit not intellectually but physically there's an infusion there the divinity and so that has a transformative effect on you um, it's not just a philosophy um, because jesus says some hard things that aren't just like koans or riddles, um, but are the words of the words of life, of truth. And so you see this. It's it, the beautiful, the queer, the beautiful stories, and the, the weird things, and the the, the off-putting phrases and stuff that just jolt you enough to go, wait, what's this guy saying? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. What what is this? They run away. Yeah, and. Uh, who else would write a book? When you're starting a religion, if you want to start a religion that is going to make you money, that is going to be successful, you, you do like L. Ron Hubbard, and you go out 20 years and you create this great religion that's airtight, and there are no warts, and everything is perfect inside this religion. You do not release a book that has all the warts and the scars and all the frustrations in it and, and all that because who wants to follow that? Oh yeah, you're gonna suffer. No, don't, you're gonna suffer for my namesake. One great leader says, oh yeah, if you follow me, there's going to be suffering. People hate you. People are gonna hate you. Yeah. And, and, and then the <clears throat> apostles went through all of their, you know, most of them were all martyred. You go, it's not, that's not, that's not a, a Tony Robbins, hey, let's go, rah, rah, rah. You know, this is like, no, this is gonna be target on your back. He actually warns you to sit down and count it up before you, before you dive in. Count the cost before you yeah. come in. Yeah. Because this costs you everything. There's no lukewarmness. It's like Christianity costs. But the rewards outweigh the sufferings of this, of this, of this time. The sufferings of your life are nothing compared to the glory that is to come. And that's, that's what makes Christianity so enticing. I think you said it, Jonathan, it's not of this world. It's, it's different. It's a different morality. It's a different point of view. In a sense, I would say it like this. I would say that Christ's morality is actually human, the actual true humanity. And we don't, ours, our philosophy and our instincts a lot of times come from our subhumanity, our inferior fallen humanity. Um, he came as, as the son of man. He didn't just come as God. He actually came as the son of man. That's the big thing. <laughs> that that but that's him. He's he's telling what the human should have been in the heat. Mm, there he's, you go. He's fulfilling all those those archetypal roles. You know. 
So this he should be. This is our aim. As a human, this is how you should aim. He's not saying go die. Like he's not mm -hmm. saying go. You know, when he says die to yourself, he's not saying go and let your body just die and just kill yourself. He's actually saying die to that part and come come alive and what it means to be actually be human. Mm. So crucified in Christ, and yet I live. No. Started singing Phil Trentino in my head yesterday. <laughs> All right. Again, this I'm going to have to read this. This is going to be one of those books I think I might have to read every year. Um, it just, I see now why it was so impactful on Lewis. Gosh, it's just so dense. Um, it's like uh, it reminds me of uh, the Jerry Lewis the Professor movie where it says, "Pay attention, pay attention. Every move is a picture." You know, like every, every like everything in here is quotable almost. Like it's the most quotable book that I've read in a while. Mm -hmm. You take a highlighter and you just go like this, just start going down the page. Because I start to, I'll start to pull up this phrase and I'll go, oh, but you need the context of the one above, you need the context yeah. below, and oh, and it's like, oh, that's like three pages of reading to pull out the point. That's where, I'm like you, I've, I've listened to it about three times so far, uh, and I keep coming to class, I feel unprepared because it just all... It all just goes. Oh yeah, and it just, it is. It's just more like the surf, you know. Just like he, he just he just has this phrase, and it, and he goes with it, and then you're like, you almost and you have to like make notes, and I come to class unprepared. Well, at least you got to hear it though, and it's it's in there. It's like subjective, and you don't have fully have access to it, but it's there. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of listening to it. Yeah. 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 The, today I was listening to chapter two and part two, the riddles of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And um, I pulled a perfect version of that. Now I remember now what caught me was, um, you know, he's talking about, the whole chapter he's talking about looking at the New Testament as an alien looking at it for the first time. Mm. Totally new, right? And then he starts off saying, we've heard how people say a hundred times over, that the Jesus of the New Testament is indeed a most merciful and humane lover of humanity. And he go, he's further quick to point out that, no, Christ is not that. You know, the, the modern church has got it almost completely backwards as to what Christ was truly like. Yes, he was merciful, loved humanity, but there was that other side, that stern side, the righteous anger, the you must do better, you, you must. You brood of vipers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, that that's not an easy thing, and that's you. Yeah. He did make an interesting point that there's very little, if very little, if any, like classical or you know, this is not my specialty. But just thinking about it, you don't. I don't. I can't think of a lot of art that is based upon you know, the wrathful or the judgmental, you know, so I like the cleansing of the temple, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, very much less represented, you know, than Pieta or mm. So how, how would you do that? How would you... Probably the problem. As like, <laughs> yes, like how, how do you honestly portray pure human righteous indignation? without projecting your own malice and your own right. junk onto it and go, mm -hmm. it's not fairness. 
because there's nothing fair about, about the gospel. He never, Jesus never mentions anything of being fair. And so for a lot of us, when we get in righteously the nation, we think something's not fair or just. We go, well, God's all about justice, but it's not the justice that you think. But I, I yeah, so we've, we've pansified that's Christ. And we've said, oh, um, and Peterson talks a lot about this, being harmless is equal to being good. Well, Jesus is not harmless. He's definitely not harmless. If you, if you step to him with ill intent, he says, hey, who warned you about to free from the wrath that is to come, you brood of vipers? You're, you're of your father, the devil. Oh, oh. When he also has an ontological perspective that we don't. So yeah. when, he, when he gets that righteous anger, it's actually it's pure. a different kind of life. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, it's totally like he actually has a reason. When we get angry, we're just fleeting emotions and oh, yeah. this and that. But he's, he's actually pulling from all the way in the beginning. He's called him the seed of the serpent. Satan's offspring. That's, he Could knows you, that. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Looking at, like, that's Jesus saying, so you, you, you're your father the devil. He's a liar, and you're a liar. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's, that's intense. Right. It, uh, there's a great line here which, which speaks exactly to that viewpoint. He says, uh, the, these outbreaks of wrath, like, like storms above our atmosphere, do not seem to break out exactly where we would expect them, but to follow some other higher weather chart of their own. Ooh. <laughs> that was a great line. It's like, yeah. you know, just wow. completely different atmosphere, different climate. And what other guy rolled up saying any of this stuff anyways? Who else had that before? You know? Whoa, he's got this authority. What in the world? No, no one else even Because no. you couldn't, you couldn't, again, you couldn't have that righteous indignation that would be transcendent like that. That would be that different weather system. You, you wouldn't even be able to know where to start. So your words would sound hollow and vindictive and vengeful. But when he says it, there is that ontological weight behind it of, oh, they are liars. Like he knows the motivations. He sees into the heart. And now the secret's been revealed, so we see in part. We've got a little bit of it. But yeah. So it. we tap into the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you guys in all truth. Yeah. And so we start to see in, in part of that when Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit, he walked in unison. And uh, and then you have Jesus saying things like, uh, so John's baptism, <laughs> a manner of God. I just, in, in, in my sense, I'm seeing a little, I'm seeing a little uh, sarcastic smirk, I you know. Answer you. <laughs> so like, okay, I see your question, I'll raise you one. You know, <laughs> uh, because he knows the motivations of the heart. And it's just... You, you don't get away with anything. And I think, I think in, in seeing God's justice, we wouldn't want a harmless Christ. You know? He's not a tame, he's not a tame lion. He's good. But what do we know about good? 
in a sense, you know? He says, he says, what does he say? Shrewd as a serpent, but harmless as doves. So mm -hmm. there's, there's, yeah, he wants us to be wise as that, but don't go and kill people either, you know? Like, yeah. There has to be a gentleness to it. Yeah. Mm. That's all. It's a commission. Yeah. The, the more you read about Christ, the older I get. I was thinking this today, and I think what the last 10 years have really shown me in, in, in my usually optimistic ideal self is I learned a few years ago, politics won't save me. Theology won't save me. Philosophy won't save me. Psychology won't save me. Um, family won't save me. Jesus saves. And that's it. And that, that power is his alone. And we need to fall and come to some humility and fall down and go, you're Lord of Lord, King of Kings. Bend the knee and, and, and confess with the mouth. Because... All the stuff we're trying to do, it all falls apart and go. And so we're left with the only thing, and that's him. He's the only thing that stands above all that. Um, it's a sobering feeling to go back and go, there's the old phrase that the philosophers and the, uh, and the philosophers and the psychologists, <coughs> once they get to the top of the mountain, they'll find the theologians been there the whole time. Right? And you just go, yeah. It's Jesus, and those, and, and the people who are um, almost those recalcitrant people who are like, I'm just in love with Jesus. That was my wife when I met her. She's just in love with Jesus. She just loved Jesus, and I was like, that doesn't make you know, doesn't make any sense. Give me five, uh, you know, give me a syllogism that proves that, you know, in five points, a five point essay. She's like, I just, he died for me. I love him, and I'm just going, it really is, it really is, and can be that simple, yep. in that. Um, and those people know what they're about. And they can withstand great storms. Because they're like, I'm just trusting him. He's my compass. And you go, oh. No, not your political party. Okay. Not your elected representatives. Not even your church. But just him. Um, and I think Chesterton paints a very relatable Christ, but a... a an illuminated Christ, I think for me when I'm reading this, it's just really been it's been good to be reminded of, of what, of this Christology of Jesus, of all these things solidifying that for me reminded of the, something Peterson says about meat you have a sword and know how to sheath it Mm. It gets me every time. He says, what, is, what does he say? You, sh you should be an absolute monster and learn how to tame it. It's, it's good. Just like how Jesus exposes all that and then says, yeah, here's a better way. Mm. Always wondered why he, uh, he had his disciples bring swords to the, to the garden at his yeah. and I am like, is that a setup? 
<laughs> was he trying to teach him something? It's very interesting. Because he ends up using it. Mm-hmm. Peter does. Mm. Anything else uh, grab you? There was one part where you said um, different groups will see one part of what Christ taught, and that will there'll be so much in it that they will see that as almost a complete teaching. And yet Jesus had a lot of those, and so like multidimensional. I can't remember exactly that, how it was. That, well, I have a highlight. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and read that out. I, I, that was all I was going to bring out. So, um, he says, there, is, there must surely have been something not only mysterious, but many cited about Christ, if so many smaller Christs can be carved out of them. And, and then he goes on to say, if each of these various facets you know, of belief are satisfied with them, Oh, the, the the Christian scientist is satisfied with yeah you know, the healer Christ, and the the, the Christian socialist is, is satisfied with the social reformer. If all these different you know people can claim them, it's like it's at least a very interesting person. If you go back to his premise about trying to think of him as just a yeah you know just a just a person. Is that the one that you're yeah. 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 wild about denominationalism is people only see through those certain lenses and they get stuck in that and it's just <coughs> it's actually it's kinda of like a bar graph, you know, you've got all these different tenets of him and if you can step outside of that and not just identify with one denomination, it's so it's so freeing because you see all the aspects. So near Christianity Lewis talks about the house. And you're walking into the hallway and all these doors branch off from the house and all these different rooms that branch off from the hallway are denominational aspects of Christ and, and Christian philosophies and theologies. Um, and he said that, uh, he actually said you can't remain in the hallway, you must choose a door. But it doesn't, almost doesn't matter which door you choose as long as it helps you get closer to Christ. Um, I have a little bit of issue with that. I don't... I think that the house is Christ and there are rooms there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can, you can just be in the hallway if you want. You can go from room to room uh, if you want. But that, there, there's a book called The Final Quest. And it, it, I want to think it was written by Rick Joyner. Yeah. 
Was it? Okay. okay. Um, this book was supposedly, I say supposedly because I don't know, he had, he had this vision and he wrote this story from this vision he had and one of his uh, Holy Spirit outings. And it was a huge battle scene. And he said what he noticed was there were certain encampments on this hillside of different uh, garrisons of, that were Christians. And he said what I noticed was that there were certain, you know, what, what the Holy Spirit told me, was eager denominations. And these denominations were holding down a stronghold or of one aspect of who Christ was. And that was what they were, that's what they were given to defend. But each garrison was defending a different stronghold that needed to be defended. And so it wasn't necessarily that there were denominations were wrong, but that these were these were aspects of Christ that that he wanted defended and they were doing their job. It's like, oh, that's an interesting way to, to put that. So the Anglicans are doing theirs, yep. the Presbyterians, you know, they're, they're defending, you know, predestination, and you have these, you have your your your, your Molinists and your your uh, uh, your Calvinists, and there's different aspects of this that that, that are coming through and they're defending those positions. Um, it's almost like, in a sense, if we look at uh, population lavender as opposed to clone lavender. I was hoping you would say that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've I brought this up before. Have you guys heard this about the population lavender? Okay. So we, we, uh, we're, a, we're part of Young Living Essential Oils. And so we actually got, while we were in France, we got to go to Provence, which is a Young Living Farm. It's like 9,000. Yeah, Provence. It's 9,000 acres of lavender and clary sage and all these organic uh, uh, herbs and stuff that are growing. And we got to talk to the guys who run it. And you see the lavender out there in the field and it's all different shapes and sizes. I mean, some of the bushes are, are, are lush and beautiful and some of them are a little more scraggly and stuff. And he says, what, what happened in, in France was, if you take a piece of lavender off the, the, the perfect lavender plant and you plant it in the ground, it will grow a plant exactly like that. So you can have fields of perfect lavender, but it's the same species. Because what happened in France was we had the perfect lavender plants, they were all the same species, but when you get a fungus or you get a bacteria, it wipes everything out. If you have population lavender, you have hundreds of different species of this lavender growing, and if a fungus comes, it only wipes out part of it, and the rest of it continues to grow. And so I, that always just that just stayed with me and going, oh, we need, we all need to be in different places because if, a, if and even Solzhenitsyn talks about if we're all, if we all have the same ideologies and we're all interconnected globally, then we can be destroyed and, and, and something very simple can just wipe out everything. But if we have our individual local communities that, that are, are uniquely different, then if something comes, it won't wipe out everything, it'll wipe out some. But then we can help rebuild and move through like that. And so that's kind of what the, you have. You have your uh, your your charismatics. They're keeping the, the, the gifts, this you know the, the spiritual gifts going, right? <laughs> the, the healings and the, the tongues and and all that. And you have your other ones who are more like the somber and the reverence of God. And so you have these abilities to to enjoy different aspects of Christ in these different bodies. But we're 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 all members of the same body. There it is. All right. Yes, different, different parts of it. Yeah. And when uh, the, the apostles told Jesus, hey, should we stop these guys from preaching in your name? He's like, no, no, no. They're fine. Just let them preach in my name. That's, they're not against me or for me. They're not against me or for me. And people will still hear my name. 
being preached, even though it's being preached, quote unquote, incorrectly or something like that. So, yeah, I think that's an, an awesome way to uh, that I've been able to to see that play out, that concept play out in, in reality. It's been really, um, and that's what this group's about, right? We all come from yep. sort of different theological flavors and 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 heresies, and and uh, but we're able to find enough common ground to join together and, and be a body. We're not, we're not all hands, we're not all feet. We need to have a different part to play. And I need your perspective. I need that different perspective. I, I, need, I need someone who's lived longer than me to give wisdom back. I need people who are younger than me to push on the wisdom that I think I have, right? Um, and so those are, and, and we all learn, and, and iron sharpens iron, and that's what this whole thing's about, is for us to, to figure out. You've staked your position, you said, here's my philosophy. And I'm like, ooh, can I push on that? And you're like, okay, that's great, now I push on yours, and suddenly at the end, we should all be stronger for it. Hopefully, that's the goal, is we actually should be more robust Christians. We should file off the things that aren't necessary and cling to what's good. Test all things, in a sense. <clears throat> I want to throw something out. Um, I love his uh, religious comparisons. I love his. his just—it's just amazing to watch him dismantle. Um, He's—he's he's very. He's very Lewisian and very Sherlockian in the way he just dismantles things down to the core. He's talking about Buddhism and Christianity. And I'm just going to want you guys to just wrestle with this. He says, um, uh, Henceforth, his life is that of a real ideal philosopher, certainly far more really ideal philosopher than Apollonius uh, from Tyana, but still a philosopher in the sense that he is, it is not his business to do anything, but rather just to explain everything. In his case, we might almost, might almost say, mildly and softly, to explode everything. For the messages are basically different. He's talking about Buddha and Jesus, uh, Siddhartha and, and Jesus. Christ says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added to you. Buddha says, seek first the kingdom, and then you will need none of these things. What does that do for you? I, I've had this thought. I've thought this before, and I, I'm so glad that someone else had it before me and articulated <laughs> it so much better. But I've been, I've been wrestling with this over the last decade on, on Buddhism. So seek first the kingdom and none of, you won't need anything else? Which, which kingdom? <clears throat> well, so Jesus is saying seek first the kingdom. Right. And prioritization. Everything here. This is the vapor. This is this is the shadowlands. This is the prelude. And at the end of Narnia, he says that this is just the the the, the title <coughs> and the cover. That's the, we this is we just started. Just like the first started. chapter hasn't begun yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Buddhism says, if you seek Buddhism, the goal is to 
not exist. <coughs> so Jesus said, I'm going to alleviate suffering by taking you out of your translucent form and making you more solid so that you can actually enjoy the things I've created. Buddhism says, oh, we're going to relieve your suffering by being enlightened and you cease to exist <coughs> and it's as, as if you never exist. I'm going to, the only way to get rid of suffering for Buddha was to not exist. Christ says, no, I'm going to bring you into my reality where there is no suffering. I'm going to make you solid. Or even the, the contrast of emptying your mind versus taking your thoughts captive. It's mm. totally, like, mm -hmm. totally like, there's actually trying. That's not just like letting anything come in. That's like totally opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. It's meaningless, that's for sure. The ceasing to exist, it's like, man, you tried that hard and all the piety and got me nowhere. <laughs> of course, that won't happen, but... So that, that's the question. No. <clears throat> Why would you follow after Buddhism? <clears throat> it's nihilistic, right? <clears throat> if you cease to exist, there, that means there's nothing. That means your life actually did... Your existence was meaningless and, and you're trying to get to a point so you don't exist, so there is no meaning. It's philosophical. It's actually, it's, it's an esoteric atheism. <clears throat> so your existence is inconsequential. And actually, you're suffering because you exist. So all you have to do is not exist, and then you won't suffer. Why even bother getting started then, once you find that out? Whatever. So the theological argument, what's the purpose for existence? Why exist? What's, what's, what... What good answer does, does Buddhism offer you for existence? So they've missed a question. It's missed, it's missed a question. And I've, I've brought this up before. In Buddhism, they say everything's an illusion. Right? We're, we're inside of an illusion. Okay? How, does, how did Siddhartha know that his idea of nirvana and enlightenment wasn't a part of the illusion. That you could think yourself out of the illusion. If you're inside the illusion and everything in the illusion is illusory, all your thoughts and all your suffering is illusory, then wouldn't your idea of nirvana and be able to think yourself into life and also be illusory? How would you know, if you're inside an illusion, how would you know that you can get outside the illusion? C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, if the world had no meaning, I should have never come to know the world had no meaning. Like a creature being born without eyes should never come to the concept of the, of, of the word dark. A creature without eyes being born on a planet with no light should never understand the concept of being dark. If I'm an illusion and everything's in the illusion, there's no way I can come to know that I'm in the illusion unless there is something beyond the illusion that's re reality and access that reality. And if it is, then therefore... Not everything in my existence is an illusion because I have something to base the illusion on. You can't, you can't, you can't systematically compare and come to the concept of illusion unless you have a reality with which to contrast it. So the concept of illusion requires objective reality. Buddhism doesn't offer that. And so um, it's a great concept in a sense of mindfulness, peace, harmony, and those things. 
but it misses some of the elements, the unexpectedness of truth. And it's just not broad enough to bear the, the responsibility of being human. Every great psychologist says the essence of being human is responsibility. Buddhism will say you have no responsibility except to cease to exist. Very, very different concepts. Is, is non-existence the... Is that explicitly stated and like well-defined as such in Buddhism's own terms? Nirvana means the blowing out. So, you're, so in a sense, you're a, a figment in the imagination of the great God. Okay? Your job is to think yourself into enlightenment, to go back into the ethereal spirit of, of that God and become, and become one into, the, into whatever, whatever form he is. You get um, brought back into that thing. It's like you're a cup of water and you're getting poured back into the ocean. You cease to exist as an individual, and you go back into you go into it's like a a, can, a light being blown out, a match being blown out. That is what nirvana means, the blowing out, Jeez. the ceasing of your consciousness. So your your consciousness, your individual consciousness, gets brought into the the full consciousness, and you you being aware of your consciousness ceases to exist. So your your actually having consciousness is inconsequential. It cannot matter. The fact that you have self-awareness of your consciousness is what brings you suffering. Because when you have consciousness and you're self-aware, what do you do? Then you pay attention to self. That makes you selfish. You have desires. You have needs. Well, that's what brings suffering. Maya, or the, the, the desires, bring suffering or sin. Right? So the answer to this is to cease to exist. Those seem like different things to me, though. Like the goal of releasing your self-consciousness in order to merge with kind of like this higher consciousness seems like mm -hmm. a different a different frame for what's trying form. to be achieved than like total non-existence. Well, so how do you know you exist? You're conscious, right? You have self-awareness right now. You, 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 you see the world and you're like, Cody exists, right? So the non-existence means that you don't have con you're not conscious of any existence anymore. You, you, you as, a, as a self, an id, an ego, or whatever, that no longer exists. There might be an existence. You're not included in that existence. You cease. And you get caught into, I guess you would say, all existence, right? Like ubiquitous existence, you become a part of the ocean again, and all there is is ocean, and you just get poured back into the ocean. The fact that you did have consciousness doesn't is inconsequent. Will not matter. Never will matter. In in, in quote unquote any um, any iteration of time that you can consider. That's the goal. But again, how can that be a goal if everything that you're inside of is illusory? How do you know that nirvana is not an illusion? How could you come to the concept of enlightenment inside an illusory where everything's an illusion? I mean, isn't that kind of parallel to what you described before of you can't mistake man's voice for God? 
or you know that whole thing where it's like well how, how can it be that you can hear a voice that you can't mistake for a man isn't that the same thing no because they're saying that there is no ultimate reality what I'm saying is we know that there's an ultimate reality beyond our reality and we know we're in a translucent transient stage and so when we hear when we hear the echo of a tomb not heard when we smell the scent of a flower never smelled, we hear news from a country we've never been to, <coughs> we know because of something inside of us that it resonates and goes, ooh, I don't know why I know that to be true. When Lewis read Boulder and there was a resurrection, he's like, oh, I believe in, I believe in that resurrection of, of this God. Why would I believe that? That would be weird. Why should I? Oh, the true myths. The myths were most, so there's, there's a reality inside that which is what Jung calls the archetypes, the collective consciousness. We have things that are hardwired inside of us, and we see a painting, we look at that painting and go, I'm crying, and I don't know why I'm crying. This painting has truth, but I can't articulate it. Right? That would be the unknown, known stuff. Buddhism is not offering that. They're just saying that your goal, that doesn't matter. Your goal is to empty your mind, empty yourself, until... You slowly have no desire, so it's, it is trying to take anything that is human inside of you. Yeah. Anything that reflects Christ, right? It's, and dehumanize that until there is no more you. It's, it's just a form, another form of dualism, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's I forget which ism it is, but it's it's anti-materialism. Yes. To, to where to where the highest value is, it's almost like pure, pure spirit. So in in that way, it's against the incarnation. So you can see that Buddhism is a very, a very purely spiritual uh, religion. Yes. And that it it wants to be so spiritual that it achieves. This nothing, nothingness to, to the human. <clears throat> because this is bad. Because yeah. matter is bad. Yeah. But what did Jesus say, or what did, what did God say in, in Genesis 1 about matter? It's good. It's good. Very good. It's good. Buddhism says, no, no, matter is all bad. God's like, no, no. He actually came down to redeem matter. Well, and actually, he, this is incorruptible now. And actually, he puts the light back in it instead of it there being you go. pulled out. Yep. What's interesting, and I was looking this up, it says Nirvana refers to the realization of non-self and emptiness, making it the rebirth by stilling the fires that keep the process of rebirth going. So it's basically pulling you out of the karma and out of the, the, the perpetual rebirthing. Um, and then it says that the anatman, where it refers to the doctrine of non-self, that no unchanging permanent self or essence can be found in any phenomenon. So it's, yeah, it says the doctrine of denying the existence of self. It's more accurately described as a strategy strategy to attain non-attachment by recognizing so much recognizing everything as impermanent while staying silent on the ultimate existence of an unchanging essence it's like ugh, ugh. well even Chesterton talked about reincarnation being simply human like there, there's there's no we talked about this last time that we about reincarnation about uh, uh, Reincar just re kicking the can down the road yeah reincarnation <laughs> just kicking the can yeah and so Buddhism's answer so uh, Siddhartha uh, Gautama his answer to the reincarnation problem was, oh, it ceased to exist. I can't, I can't get out of the loop. Yeah. So I'm just going. If, if I wasn't human, if I wasn't, if I didn't have self, 
I wouldn't have desires that I could get out. So they're looking for a way to get a loop. And Jesus says, I'll tell you a way to get a loop. You, you have to die, well, but I'm going on the resurrection line. How meaningless is their kind of loop, too? Because we, we're unique. There's, you can't be duplicated or uploaded. So whoever you are will actually be brought back to life and better. Yeah. Well, for some, and some, some not. But for them, it's just this continual loop of being a different form of whatever else, you know. And you don't have any memory of it. That's kind of tragic. It's like, why bother doing anything, man? So, what, what, so I think what, what Chesterton is trying to point out here is that the philosophies that he mentioned there, uh, that Joe pointed out, the philosophies that he mentions and the religions that he mentions, these are the voice of man trying to elevate to the higher language of God. And you see where they fall short, reincarnation, kicking the can down the road. Buddhism, the answer is to cease to exist. These other philosophies, Confucianism, that's just good manners. That's, that's an etiquette thing. It's not really a philosophy. The only one who comes in and has a transformative aspect to their words and a transformative that if you follow this philosopher, your life will be changed. The trajectory of your entire life, your behaviors, your psychological, your, everything will be changed is if you follow the words of Christ. If you follow him, because he's going to hit you with things, you're like, oh, pray for your enemy. What? I... Forgive 70 times 7? No, 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 Jesus, no, 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 7 times, that's enough. He's like, no, no, 70 times 7. He's like, well, I can't, that's, Jesus, that's, that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? And that's, that is so radical that we're still studying it today. And actually, I, I heard, I was reading today that Chesterton said that these philosophies, if Jesus was simply a philosopher, he would have fallen to the heap as every great philosopher did, and be pushed aside, and like, oh, this is a good philosophy. Here, here are his followers. No one really follows this stuff anymore. And it'd be vague, and there'd be 40 different uh, beliefs. It has said this, and but we're not really sure, but it's not that way. It's pretty set in stone. The Bible's a living thing, <clears throat> yeah. and it breathes life into everyone that it touches. And it's amazing because you don't need me to have the transformer. You don't need a priest. You don't need the. You don't need to learn from the this person or that person. You can read the Bible for yourself and have this transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And it's just it. It's amazing that Christianity has power. In, in you know two thousand years later, it's still equally as powerful. The gospel message is so powerful that if I talk about the cross and I and I, and I go through what Jesus did on the cross. Yesterday. My heart will be broken to a heart of flesh. I'll start weeping and crying and just go, oh my gosh, it's amazing what he did for me. No other philosophy gets at that root like, like Jesus does. Um, and I think the, the exhaustive way that Chesterton does this and lays it out is he shows you, here's the best representation of this person, this representation of this person, and here's why they don't measure up. This is the voice of a man trying to be God, not the voice of God trying to be a man. That's the yeah. ontology come down. That's yes. the logos come down, rather, rather man's epistemology trying to go up and make his own God. Transposition, the higher yeah. coming to the lower instead of the lower trying to reach to the higher. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we, we went to Ezekiel there. We <laughs> got into some swimming waters. Um, my ankles are wet. Start out the ankles and it went to the thigh and it was like, start swimming. Um, but I, yeah, again, 
this book is so dense. It's, it's, this, is, this is meat. And as we talked about before, I think a lot of Christianity today, and Nina uh, talked about this. I don't remember the exact phrase you, you used about milk. Um, but she was... Uh, there were other words used in there. It, it was, it was, uh, it was a, yeah. It was, it was a very frank way of saying, you need to get off the milk, mother's milk. Yeah. You know? Uh, I can't say that my kids laughed hysterically. Yes, our kids thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. Um, these Christians need to get off their, their freaking mother's milk and get some meat, get some protein. Um, some meat and potatoes. I had some passionate moments this week. In yeah, there's, to there's, news and, uh, there's a lot of cussing. Do you need one of those cups? Do you have yes. those? Yes. <laughs> I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. I got one of those cups for you. <laughs> that sounds appropriate. Yeah, it's. Um, and. The reason why we read stuff like this, it's difficult, is because this is... Well, think about this. When John Wycliffe... That's right, John Wycliffe, isn't it? Trend. Yes, when he, trans, when, he, when he translated the Bible from the Vulgate into uh, what, what actually in 1611 became the King James Version. I mean, most King James scholars actually use John Wycliffe's almost 90% of his translation. A lot of his data. A lot of his data and a lot of his phraseology. It was actually written in the common tongue. The sixteen eleven King James Bible was written in sixteen eleven common tongue. And we we wrestled to to read that and today and go that was a farmer would have been able to have understood what was being said in that. It was it was a it was a language of the people. Um, and that's why it was so poetic. It's, it's easier to remember things that are poetic. They have a flow to them, a certain cadence to them. And I noticed this in school and it really frustrated me, is I noted the degradation of, of what educators were doing even when I was in school. They were like, oh, you don't need to learn dates. Uh, you can just look it up. It's fine. Oh, you don't need to memorize this. You don't need to learn memorization skills. You can just look, you can just look it up. You can just go. And what happens is Google knows a lot of things. DuckDuckGov knows a lot of things. But we don't know a lot of things. And what happens when the, when, the, when the power's out or what happens when you're in a, in a situation like when you're having a conversation? Where's your, what do you pull from? What do you, what do you pull from in that moment? How do you, how do you, how do you in, engage your behavior? How do you build your worldview if you don't have any resources that you've memorized and you've thought about the scripture and stuff? Scripture, I've, 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 I've written your scripture in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? Memorize these things. Most of, the, most of the New Testament was used to, they used to give it verbally. Irenaeus and those guys, it was actually verbatim. They learned, they had to repeat the Bible. They memorized it. Their worldview was, I mean, probably pretty straight because they, it was written in their hearts. We have the capacity today to do that, but we rely on this. So what's, what's in our minds? What, what do we have rolling around in our brains? TikTok videos. Bunch of noise. Bunch of noise. They thought, they didn't think to put in their minds the things of God and they became reprobates. 
right? That's, I think, is, is that uh, Romans 1 where he, where he talks about that? That's why I like Matthew 25, because it's talking about the foolish rationings that mm. the five of them that didn't have any oil. And it's, that's one of those things that's come up recently in kind of urgent discussion is you can't give intimacy with God to somebody. They have to go get it themselves. Come on. And people are like, we can't give you the oil. And we're like, well, didn't Jesus say be generous? And they're like, yeah, but you can't give what has to be cultivated with him and drive it. You just can't give that stuff. So... That's why like, TikTok and noise and all this stuff, it's like, we got to store it in our hearts. So, it matters. Mm. We can't give you the oil you have. You have to get it yourself. That's good. That is good. All right, so I know like half the group's not here. Um, uh, which means we'll probably... You know, what do we do in the middle of June? In the middle of July, do we? In the middle of July, I think we, we stop group, right? For a month. Somewhere in mid-June to July. Yeah, so somewhere in June and July, we stop group, and then we come back in, in August. And uh, because summer gets hectic and people are out vacationing and things that are awesome, time with family, and so um, we will make that a priority. But we'll have... You can, you can put a, a message out, a little poll out on, uh, on, on that. If we want to stop Chesterton and move on to, uh, move back to Lewis, Weight of Glory and Great Divorce and finish up with those two things. Um, and the reason why I say that is we could spend the next two years in this Chesterton book and, uh, and probably still not even come close to scratching the surface of what, what's really being talked about here. So... Um, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a stopping point with with this. I don't think there's I don't think there's a moment where like and in conclusion. I don't think that's going to happen. It's like a Pentecostal preacher. You know, they don't know the words and in conclusion. Um, I know guys have gone three hours before. <laughs> just just keep going. Um, sweat dripping off their ties and they're soaked. So uh, if the group's fine with that. What do you think, Nina? I guess you were there. Did, should we read Way of Glory first or Great Divorce? Well, I think Way to Glory will be soul-filling. Um, and Great Divorce will be like, make our minds explode a little. Both good. Inverse them. I don't know, why does everyone feel? So, Way to Glory is the essay. And which, where he describes a lot of the things he talks about in The Great Divorce. So would you rather have the fiction story first or the philosophy first? So the essay is describing the story? Not necessarily, but it's the theological... The from it. it's, it's the themes. The philosophical and theological themes are going to be in Weight of Glory. You're going to see them put into fictionalization uh, in literature. So it's imagination and reason. They go yeah. together. As Lewis always does, his philosophy goes into his, liter in, in his fiction. So do you want the philosophy first, or do you want to read the fiction first, which will be easier to read, and then go and then see it illuminated in the, in the philosophy, or do the philosophy first and then find it illuminated in the literature? I'm fine either way. I'd probably do fiction, I guess, so in my book. Everybody want to do a great divorce? Sure. It's a good read, quick read. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so we'll, we'll look to do a great divorce next week.
we'll just I'm gonna make sure I, I guess so we'll plan on unless everybody wants Google's to do always copies at half price books yes there's about, that's where I'm about to head half, yeah like, there's two locations at Hamburg <laughs> where you can just call them <laughs> where else have I seen that there's other, well, I mean, of course, like, the, your normal Joseph Best, Joseph Best, Best and Barnes and Noble's they, they should have, have it. But, like, the cheaper versions. Thrift books or whatever. Thrift books. Yeah. Yeah, if you, you order do it. that online, Thrift books is great. You usually get a good copy for three or four dollars. Um, but, yeah, so, great divorce. Uh, we'll do that for, like, two weeks, three weeks, and then we'll jump into what the Lord did for two or three weeks. And then that'll end up the, <coughs> the semester. And then we'll take the summer off. Now, you guys are more than welcome to still, if, if we're around, come out, hang out at the house, you know, on Monday nights, we don't do anything. Uh, if, if people are like, hey, I, I read this cool book, I'd still like to come over and, yeah, we can still do that at the house. So don't think that because of summer, we don't, you know, that we just have to wait. But uh, our door is always open, and we enjoy having people out come over and talk. So if there's something burning on your mind, you want to come over and, Smoke a pipe and drink some bourbon. Right. <laughs> you don't have to smoke a pipe. You know. <laughs> or just sit there. Or just sit there um, and, and, uh, and chat. So we're open for that. <coughs> so unless people are dying to finish Chesterton, I'm going to say executively that we're just going to move move on from this. And then, uh, but just put it out into the, uh, into the email, uh, Miriam, that mm -hmm. unless everyone has a burning desire to continue, we're going to move on. It's the everlasting book. Oh, I like that. It's the, it's the everlasting book. Uh, no good ending point. Yeah. Not really. <clears throat> it wasn't a dot, dot, dot. You had it. Good job. Which, and if you guys ever want to read an interesting, an interesting book that doesn't really, that has a super weird ending that I, that I can't figure out. And actually I had a conversation with Michael Ward about it. I said, Michael, I, I think Chesterton's above my pay grade here. I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And he said, neither do I. And I don't think Chesterton did either. Um, <laughs> it's the man who was Thursday. Have you read it? You tried to read it? Several times. It, is it not the most bizarre book? It is bizarre. Right, I'll take a step. It is Seems like a <laughs> <laughs> It's like weirder than Charles Williams. Oh, it is so weird. You start reading and you're like, okay, I'm following, I'm following. You're like, yeah, what's this? And then, and then it goes completely somewhere else. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I have, it is. I haven't tried to read it for years, but. Everybody told me how good it was, and I, I read it and I was like, I'm stupid. Like, I didn't get it. Like, I, I missed it. I just, it's a little different. <laughs> And so it was nice to have Dr. Ward tell me that he didn't, like, I don't think Chesterton knew what he was talking about either. Because <laughs> it was one of his early books, one of his first books. And so, you know, like we, we read Atlas Island Planet, and you, Lewis is just getting his feet under him, and it's, it's a little wooden, and it's a little stiff in parts, and stuff like that. So I think that's very similar. Chesterton's on a whole other level, and so he's, he's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. But when he pulls it together, you're like, oh, dude, I don't know what happened. He was I, I was really like, did, did I miss something? Did I, wait, did I, I don't know what I, like there's, so. Well, I will be busy those weeks if you read, if you want to read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. Yeah, so, <coughs> um, I don't think we'll, we'll attempt that just because I don't, I don't know that I would have anything to offer um, on, 
on that. So, all right. Um, unless there's anything else tonight, are we good? Everybody got it off their chest, what they wanted to get off their chest? That's good. All right, well, this has been VFF on May 9th, 2022. Further up. Further up. Thank you.